This is the preface to Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe, author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. This edition, published by the Riverside Press, Cambridge, Massachusetts, 1892. First published in 1856. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Historical Note The Great Dismal Swamp at the time of this writing was a vast inland habitat spreading over more than one million acres of southeastern Virginia and northeastern North Carolina, where several African-American maroon societies lived during early American history. From the frontispiece Away to the dismal swamp he speeds, his path was rugged and sore. Through tangled juniper beds of reeds, through many a fen where the serpent feeds, and man never trod before. And when on earth he sunk to sleep, if slumber his eyelids knew, he lay where the deadly vine doth weep, its venomous tears that nightly steep the flesh with blistering dew. And now the preface by Harriet Beecher Stowe. The writer of this book has chosen once more a subject from the scenes and incidents of the slaveholding states. The reason for such a choice is twofold. First, in a merely artistic point of view, there is no ground, ancient or modern, whose vivid lights, gloomy shadows, and grotesque groupings afford to the novelist so wide a scope for the exercise of her powers. In the near vicinity of modern civilization of the most matter-of-fact kind exist institutions which carry us back to the twilight of the feudal ages, with all their exciting possibilities of incident. Two nations, the types of two exactly opposite styles of existence, are here struggling, and from the intermingling of these two a third race has arisen, and the three are interlocked in wild and singular relations that evolve every possible combination of romance. Hence, if the writer's only object had been the production of a work of art, she would have felt justified in not turning aside from that mine whose inexhaustible stores have but begun to be developed. But this object, however legitimate, was not the only nor the highest one. It is the moral bearings of the subject involved which have had the chief influence in its selection. The issues presented by the great conflict between liberty and slavery do not grow less important from year to year. On the contrary, their interest increases with every step in the development of the national career. Never has there been a crisis in the history of this nation so momentous as the present. If ever a nation was raised up by a divine providence and led forth upon a conspicuous stage, as if for the express purpose of solving a great moral problem in the sight of all mankind, it is this nation. God in his providence is now asking the American people, is the system of slavery, as set forth in the American slave code, right? Is it so desirable that you will directly establish it over broad regions, where till now you have solemnly forbidden it to enter? And this question the American people are about to answer. 
under such circumstances the writer felt that no apology was needed for once more endeavouring to do something towards revealing to the people the true character of that system if the people are to establish such a system let them do it with their eyes open with all the dreadful realities before them one liberty has been taken which demands acknowledgment in the outset the writer has placed in the mouth of one of her leading characters a judicial decision of judge ruffin of north carolina the boldness clearness and solemn eloquence of which have excited admiration both in the old world and the new the author, having no personal acquaintance with that gentleman, the character to whom she attributes it, is to be considered as created merely on a principle of artistic fitness. To maintain the unity of the story, some anachronisms with regard to the time of the session of the courts have been allowed, for works of fiction must sometimes use some liberties in the grouping of incidents but as mere cold art unquickened by sympathy with the spirit of the age is nothing the author hopes that those who now are called to struggle for all that is noble in our laws and institutions may find in this book the response of a sympathizing heart End of preface.